0: Rising
1: sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk.
0: This is a bit of a, a melancholy uh, game podcast bonus because um, Tom Dart is uh, is leaving us at The Times. And don't worry, he's leaving us by choice, his own choice. Um, but Tom, I want to take this opportunity to talk to you a little bit about... Um, how football has changed the experience of, of a fan. I'm assuming before you became a, a football writer, you were, you were a football fan. Maybe in some ways you still are. And uh, for those who don't know, by the way, Tom is going to be making the leap um, across the pond. He's moving to uh, Houston in the great state of Texas. Um, but before we get to that, what do you remember? I mean, as a as a kid growing up, about how you watched football and how you experienced football uh, a game on TV
1: was a a big event Uh, generally you'd see see a few games living in London Uh, on a Sunday ITV had a thing called the big match which was a you know,
0: not that big one South End seemed to be on it quite a lot uh, so this wasn't try. like Super Sunday where they chose a top flight match you might get stuck with something from yeah, something was, like South End
1: my football experience is very regional you'd have the London clubs there'd be uh, the occasional live match on a Sunday afternoon with Brian Moore the great ITV commentator or there might be some highlights uh, but uh, when there was a live match it was something that uh, uh, you wanted to be there for in front of the, in front of the TV because it didn't happen too often uh, and in tandem with that in the uh, the mid-80s I was just starting to go to matches uh, with my family uh, Who did you go see? Uh, Leighton Orient, uh, Spurs a bit of West Ham uh, probably my one of my earliest football memories is uh, uh, 1986 I think Boxing Day when uh, Spurs played West Ham uh, standing on the old uh, shelf at Hart Lane uh, being kind of Basically pushed down to the front by these these old men in this teeming mass of people at the terrace, and then uh, separated from my my family, from my dad and my uncle, because uh, they pushed me down the front so I could actually even see the game, and then trying to get back to them at half time and being told sorry, sorry, Sonny, you know, don't move, you're stuck there, there's no way you can get out, because it was so cramped uh, and so crowded. And this was, you know, 1986. Uh, uh, kind of extraordinary memories for me of uh, as a young kid, of just being surrounded by these so many people in one place, so noisy, so uh, kind of dangerous, it seemed, in a way. So How old were you? I would have been uh, eight.
0: I mean, I... Mean, I, I... <laughs> In this sort of health and safety day and age, I, I find it incredible, like that an eight-year-old kid can be separated from the adults she's with, and. And then you get to the front, and what well, you didn't start. But you were you scared? Did you start crying? And did you? I mean,
1: I don't remember if I started crying. I, I was kind of terrified because I just at halftime I tried to get back to my to my dad, who is probably uh, how would you have any 20, 20 meters away somewhere at the back. Right. And this 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 fan said, "Sorry, son, no way you're getting through here. It was just too crowded." So I just kind of uh, stood there for the uh, the second half, uh, and eventually was reunited with my father. So it was actually a it was actually a very scary experience. And you couldn't uh, ring him or ask the guy to ring. No, my, my left my mobile
0: phone at home. and This, you know, <laughs> uh, this is a joke, younger <laughs> listeners. Uh, Their mobile phones were extremely rare in the mid-1980s. In fact, only the very wealthy had them.
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, West Ham as well with the uh, terraces there, which amazing, uh, amazingly intense. Chelsea, of course, as well. The, the Shed, I remember. The Did you not support a club? Did you just kind of randomly
0: go to all the London clubs?
1: No, I, su- I support. Torquays, so uh, because of my family from Devon, so I didn't get to see them very often. I only saw them when they're in London. So in the meantime, when I started to want to go to matches, I just kind of pick and mix with my with my dad from the London clubs. Uh, so I saw, you know, a lot of Orient, who am who are my local club, and it was, uh, uh, of course, uh, a lot less intense and as experience as an experience, but uh, kind of less scary. But, uh, but I love that all the same, just for the drinking in the atmosphere of being at a football match. You know, whether it was a, a big
0: one or a minor one. Did you do much? Much reading. I mean, maybe not at eight, but uh, but sort of when you got older. I mean, today it seems that, you know, a football fan can, that there's acres of uh, of coverage in the newspapers in, in this country. There's obviously a whole series of, of blogs and whatnot on the web. So it seems to me that even sort of a, a young football fan, say 14, 15, going forward, can actually read a lot about the game. Now, I, I'm a bit older than you, but I do remember sort of living here in 1990. And with all due respect to the people who were writing and covering football back then, it's basically a huge, giant void compared to uh, Spain or Germany or or Italy. Um, What did you read in those days? And please don't say shoot. (laughs) Uh, No, I think it was Match. All right. (laughs) No,
1: I tended to read the uh, the Evening Standard when well, my dad brought it in for work, That was and, and Teletext. And
0: know. by the way, back then, young readers, you had to pay for the <laughs> Evening Standard. <laughs> yeah, and
1: CFAX and Teletext were huge. They were the most up-to-date ways, uh, apart from the radio, of getting of getting football information. So every day I'd be... And there was
0: no 5 Live back then either, no, no talk no sport. No 5
1: Live, no talk sport. So it was page 302 on uh, on CFAX for the, for the football, and that was updated a few times a day, and you'd get a bit of a football news, but... the the coverage was nothing like it is now in the papers uh, except perhaps the tabloids which which I didn't tend to read Uh, football was not assumed uh, hadn't been assumed into celebrity culture so there wasn't as much interest in what players did off the pitch and they weren't as rich and they weren't as famous so there was none of that uh, kind of association uh, now where where we see players as much as celebrities as actual, as actual footballers, and they're in the news all the time for what they do off the pitch as well as on it it, it wasn't like that it was uh, as I was becoming a teenager, it was just beginning to be like that with uh, the arrival of Sky which which uh, took the Premier League away from uh, terrestrial TV which meant that i I couldn't watch it because uh, because we didn't have sky uh, it was uh, so that kind of focused my attentions more on the lower leagues in a way because they were still red, more readily accessible to me.
0: And so you did? You start following? I mean, lower league football more closely.
1: Yeah, I used to when I was old enough. I used to start going to Orient uh, every couple of weeks with, with my friends, and it was uh, I think uh, under sixteens and student discount. It was three pound fifty to, to stand at Orient uh, in the nineties, and it, it was great because you could stand. Uh, Virtually, you know, just you were a couple of meters away from the, the pitch and the dugouts, and you could uh, interact a bit with the players if you uh, shouted something, they would hear you. And uh, none of the uh, standing had its own brought its own culture, which has largely disappeared now. Kind of, you could move around uh, easily enough. You didn't have to sit in a in a set seat, and uh, it was uh, it was kind of shabby uh, compared to what it is today. And the facilities were, of course, terrible, but we didn't know any better, so uh, so we loved. It. And I just kind of became engrossed and, and obsessed with uh, obsessed with the culture of going to matches and being inside a stadium, being with so many strangers uh, was was a phenomenal experience for me. At the same time, at school, as I was playing the game uh, in the playground and uh, in school matches. Uh, Uh, very regularly so I was uh, uh, experiencing fan culture and also experiencing the love of just playing football
0: did you uh, when when you were shouting at the Leighton Orient players and stuff um, did did you ever shout or get a reaction from anybody who might then have become famous or some of us might have heard of Uh, I don't remember shouting at anyone did you see anybody up close who then became
1: (laughs) well actually weirdly one of my best memories at Orient was uh, when they beat Wales uh, in a
0: friendly Wait, the, the, the Wales is in like the, the national <laughs> the actual
1: team? national Wales team were, were beaten by Latin Orient uh, I think this must have been uh, I guess late 90s mid 90s uh, uh, it was,
0: uh, please don't I was, tell was me Neville Southall was playing in goal because that would really disappoint uh, me I don't remember i pretty certain gigs played uh, pretty certain gigs played Okay, can I just say something, if you out there have any memory of this, because I suspect Tom Dart is just inventing this, okay, but if, you, if, if you've if you got a memory of uh, of Giggs uh, stepping out against Leighton Orient for Wales and being beaten by the O's, please email us at, at GamePodcast at timesonline.co.uk or hit me up on Twitter at Marcotti, because I find this absolutely fascinating. Now, Tom, you're um, you're moving, of course. You're, you're moving to Houston, and I probably guess my accent. I was educated over there, and I spent not in Houston, but in the United States. But uh, um, and I spent some time there. And how are you going to follow the football from there? I mean, I'm assuming you're not going to. Um convert entirely over to the single biggest sport in texas which of course is high school football or ut really the, the two religions down there but are you i mean have you already sussed out how it's done i mean what what, what do you imagine it's gonna be like
1: uh i've had a few experiences of going to mls games in the past and i've covered a lot of baseball for the times so i know what the, uh, the kind of the media sporting landscape is out there and it's uh, uh a lot friendlier there's not as much distance between the players and the journalists and you know within 15 to 20 minutes after a game the uh, you get invited into the, the dressing room and you can interview who you like uh, so there's a, a much more mature trusting relationship between players and journalists uh, which sadly is broken down here over the years whether because of uh, you know there's negative headlines and you know dramatic tabloid headlines and stories which players haven't liked or whether it's in in teams in teams in interests as they try to push their own websites and their own uh, their own media interests uh so i'm hoping that in the states it'll be a uh, a more positive atmosphere in terms of uh, getting access to the the players and uh, it will be kind of the the rule and not the exception to talk to who you want when you want uh, after a game and of course mls uh, is still a very much a minority sport even though it's it's growing. So. Uh, uh, I guess unlike the Premier League, they'll be uh, they'll be more willing uh, willing to uh, to help out. Uh, um, I think the standard of the MLS, you would know better than me, is, is not as bad as some people say. I would say it's probably equivalent to the Championship uh, and getting better. And now these teams have got their own stadiums. Uh, it's it's easier to take the MLS uh, a lot more seriously. It'll also be easy for me to follow the Premier League uh, thanks to the internet and uh, satellite TV.
0: Um, a lot of early starts on the weekend. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of drinking in bars at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday morning. I know it's, yeah. uh, it's going to uh, be strange. Yeah, it was experience I've been there. Well, I mean, on behalf of obviously all of us who've worked on the game podcast, there's guys who aren't here, like like Patty and and and, and Tony and so on, and of course our producer um, Chris Skinner uh, and also Ped Hunter who, who helps out a little bit. I just wanted to thank you um, for sharing some of your memories and of course for for working with us all these years. And please don't be a stranger out there.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate.